This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. We need to be assured by the Spirit of God those things that we believe, those things that are in our hearts and lives, and we need to stand fast with those things unless the Spirit of God changes us and moves us. Not to be swayed by, again, the the mores of society, nor the ideas and the thoughts of man around us. That's why Paul says here in chapter 14 of Romans that there needs to be that balance of liberty and love in our lives. Do you purpose to live peaceable with all men? Pastor David will be teaching on the balance between walking in the liberty of your beliefs and having love toward others. You should stand fast in your convictions and beliefs, but in such a way that you're loving in order to win others over to Christ. Just because you're convicted about a certain sin or action does not mean you need to force-feed your convictions onto other people. Be an example and love others. Let God do the convicting. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse 1, for part one of our message entitled, Liberty in Love. Before we even begin, I need to help you understand that, first of all, the first thing, is that Paul was dealing with great cultural and background differences of people. He's not writing to one group of people where everyone was raised the same way, believed the same way, and accepted the same things. He's dealing with differing cultures and even different religious backgrounds. Now, there's at least four people, or four groups of people, that Paul is dealing with here. The first is the Jewish background believers, those that have been released from the bondage of the Old Testament law, the rituals, and all the ceremonial laws of Judaism. They became believers. They came to faith in Jesus Christ, and they understood that, man, all that old stuff that's that's done away with, I don't have to keep all the ceremony and all the ritual anymore. But along with that group were also Jewish background believers that felt, even though I'm saved, I still need to keep all the ceremony. I still need to keep all the ritual because really that's all part of it. And Paul deals with those in many of his letters. In fact, some of those came to the point they were called Judaizers. Not only were they convicted of it, but they felt it was their responsibility to make sure that you and I were convicted of it too. Even if we were Gentiles, we needed to become Jewish first, do the ceremony thing. So you've got these two groups of Jewish believers. Then you have the Gentile believers. On one group of the Gentile believers are those that have been saved out of their pagan backgrounds, saved out of their sensual lifestyles, and that they've been saved, miraculously miraculously saved through Christ, and that none of that has anything to do with them anymore, and they are just living their lives, glorifying the Lord. They've been freed from the bondages, they've been freed from the addictions, they've been freed from the sensuality of their lives, and they're just pressing into Jesus. But along with that Gentile group is the fourth group that he's dealing with. And that's those pagan believers who were saved out of that pagan background, that very, again, earthiness, the the sinful background of these pagan believers, and yet at the same time, they're still perhaps even held back by the bondages of their own sin, addictions, allures that might draw them back in the sensuality of what much of the pagan worship was all about. So you've got these four groups, those who are strong Jewish background believers, those who were strong Gentile background believers, those who were weak Jewish background believers, and those who were weak Gentile believers. And you know what? Today, this morning, we've got the same crew right here. 
Because if you're not Jewish in background, guess what? You're Gentile in background. No matter, remember, as we've been going through Romans, there was only two groups of people. There were the Jew and the non-Jew. For the Greek, there was either Greek or the barbarian. So in the same aspect, you and I are here. You're here this morning, perhaps, with a great strength of faith. And man, there is great freedom in your life, in your walk and love of the Lord. And you're going to look at the things we're going to speak at this morning. You're going to have a great understanding of what's going on. You may be here this morning, and in your life in Christ, there are still great struggles and still great bondages. And Paul even speaks about this weakness that's going on. All of these groups that are going on, and they are even represented here this morning. One thing you and I need to understand is that they are all a part of the body of Christ. Paul isn't speaking that some of these guys are saved and some of them are unsaved. He's saying that there are differences of opinions, differences of conscience, differences of even principles in their lives. And yet they are all part of the body of Christ. And we cannot forget that point. So first thing, he's dealing with a multiple of cultural and religious backgrounds. The second thing you need to understand before we get into the study is this is not about dietary laws and religious requirements for the believer. Chapter 14 is not about the law of the diet that you and I have to have in order to be a believer. Neither is it about religious requirements that you and I have to fulfill as a believer. It's about our relationships with one another. And that's what Paul is centering in on here in this. He deals with the relationships of our believers much like he deals with it in Galatians 6.2, where he says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He also speaks in Ephesians 5.21 about submitting to one another in the fear of God. And then in Philippians 2.3, he says, let nothing, nothing in our lives, be done through selfish ambition and or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. You see, this whole deal, we could look at 14 and say, oh, I know exactly what that's about, and we could miss the point. It's not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's about relationship. That's where Paul is trying to drive home for it. The third thing you and I need to know what this is speaking about this morning is, is that you and I are not going to be able to live our lives without stumbling someone. You will never be able to live your life without stumbling someone. There's a saying, and some attribute it to Abraham Lincoln, some attribute it to uh, P.T. Barnum. You know who P.T. Barnum is, uh, Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey, circus guy. Well, they did the background, I searched, and uh, never conclusive who gave it, whether Abraham Lincoln or P.T. Barnum. But the saying goes, and you're familiar with the saying, you can fool some of the people all of the time, and all of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all of the time. Now, that particular saying is good and true, and I I believe that, but uh, it's not really relevant to the study this morning, so I had to go in and rewrite it, okay, to make it fit. And today's version is this, okay? You can please some of the people all of the time, and all of the people some of the time, but you cannot please all of the people all of the time. It just does not work that way. 
Paul helped us to understand that. Remember when we were back in chapter 12, when he said in verse 8, if it's possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all men. But again, I brought out to the fact that when Paul says, if it's possible, he knows that sometimes it's just not possible. Sometimes there's people that just will not live at peace. Sometimes people, no matter what you believe and how you state it, no matter what way, they're going to disagree because they have a disagreeable spirit or they're going to believe something totally different than you do. And no matter how hard you try, it's not going to work. But on the other hand, Paul also brings out here in chapter 15 that we'll look at a little bit later when he speaks that let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it's written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. You see, Paul says, I know that it's impossible to live at peace all the time. But on the other hand, he says, but you know what? You and I need to strive to live at peace with men. That we need to strive to live our lives that are going to edify others, not for our own good, but again, for the edification and for the encouragement of those that are around us. This whole thing, this whole deal that if you live in a way that you never cause anyone to stumble or no one ever disagrees with you, you know what? You are wishy-washy in your life. You have nothing that you are standing on firm and fast. As a matter of fact, you're the one that's changing with everybody else's opinion, and that's not a good way to be. You and I need to be determined, be We need to be assured by the Spirit of God those things that we believe, those things that are in our hearts and lives, and we need to stand fast with those things unless the Spirit of God changes us and moves us. Not to be swayed by, again, the the mores of society nor the ideas and the thoughts of man around us. That's why Paul says here in chapter 14 of Romans that there needs to be that balance of liberty, and love in our lives. That in the liberty that we have, we need to live it. Yes, I have the liberty, but you know what? I'm also going to demonstrate it through a love for those that are around us. So let's look at the Word. Let's get into the Word. Chapter 14 of Romans, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. I love this phrase at at the beginning here of what Paul is stating. It's at the beginning that we get pretty much the main idea of what Paul is going to be declaring through this whole thing. In essence, he's saying, hey guys, there's things that we deal with as believers that really aren't worth destroying another brother or a sister over. There's stuff that you and I believe from the Word of God and from the directing of the Holy Spirit, that really isn't worth the fight. Now, please understand, and if you've been with us long, you understand that I believe that the Bible meant that is our guide, that is our source, is directed by the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about things that are sinful. I'm not talking about things that the Bible says black and white. Hey, this is right and this is wrong. You can't come up and say, hey, the pastor said I have liberty to commit adultery because, you know, I don't feel guilty. No, that's not what I'm saying, and you're totally missing the point. Stay with, again, the text. Stay with, again, the Word of God. Stay with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You'll understand where we're going. Now, 
different versions of the Bible are going to say differently what Paul has said in verse 1. I just read to you the New King James. Well, the King James says, uh, but not to doubtful disputations. These disputations, again, these, these, these fights, these misunderstandings. In the New Revised Standard Version, it says, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. In other words, you have your thing, your, your belief, well, don't receive a brother in order to convert him over to your opinion. And an opinion is totally different than the Word of God. And then finally, the New Living Translation. And again, uh, um, some say it's the light translation, but just to help you kind of understand a little bit better. He says, don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. It's not what you and I think that's right or wrong. It's what the Word of God declares. Understand? Do you know where I'm coming from this morning? Are you getting the gist of this? I'm not saying that, hey, it's just what I feel. No, it's what the Word of God declares. And that's where we need to keep the focus. Charles Spurgeon speaks about this verse. And here he says, Receive the weak but sincere believer into fellowship, but not at once commence discussing troublesome or questionable points with him or quarrel with him upon matters of no importance. William Burkett, another Bible commentator, says, Do not quarrel or contend with him about his opinions or fill his head full of curious and intricate questions or trouble him with doubtful disputes. Paul starts out declaring that we should receive a brother and sister simply as a brother and sister in Christ. There may be some things that we or they might have, certain issues or scruples in their lives, but if it's an issue of conscience rather than clear biblical directive, then we have to understand that there needs to be the greater proportion of all of it filled and covered with grace. That grace needs to be active in moving in our lives in every area and aspect of our lives, particularly in how we relate with one another. Ray Stedman, a favorite Bible teacher of mine from the Pacific Northwest, gone on to be with the Lord now, but he says that the favorite indoor sport of Christians is trying to change one another. That we try to conform them into our image of what we believe is right or wrong. And beloved, that's a danger. We need to realize that it's the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, working within the heart of the child of God that is going to transform them by the renewing of their minds. You see, I can try and conform you to do the things that I want you to do, to live the way that I want you to live, and as long as I'm walking beside you and next to you, you'll try and do that. But the moment I'm gone, then suddenly you go back to whatever you want to. But you see, when the Spirit of God transforms a mind, and brings us again into conformity with the image of Christ, then it doesn't matter who's around. I'm living my life to glorify my God, to glorify Him, to give honor to my Father. That's what Paul is speaking about here. In this passage, Paul deals generally with the ideas of of food and of special days and even of drinking of wine. Well, in similar passages that are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he deals with this idea of meat that's being offered to idols and how they deal with those things. In Colossians chapter 2, he deals with believers to not let anyone judge them into food or drink or festivals or even special days. 
and that all of these, Paul says there in Colossians, are simply a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. Again, the substance being Christ. We're going to see in the study that in all of these issues, the overwhelming focus of what Paul is trying to say is that it's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and of peace and of joy in the Holy Spirit. And a little bit later in this chapter, he says, and whatever is not of faith is sin. So even the righteous thing, quote-unquote, that I might try to do, if it's not in faith, then that in itself is sin. Please understand where we're going with this. And again, allow the Spirit of God to open up the Word of God to you this morning. Now, bearing these things in mind, let's continue on. Verse 2. For one believes, he says, that he may eat all things. But he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. You need to understand that the weak one is the vegetarian. If you're a vegetarian this morning, Paul is saying you're weak. No, that's not what he's saying. He's not speaking about those who have chosen for health issues or just for their own personal desires to not partake of meat and to eat vegetables. This is not a dietary requirement that he's dealing with here. What he's dealing with, again, is the background of these people that he's writing to, that he's trying to encourage them and to teach them, again, about the freedoms in Christ. We find kind of a a similar teaching in that 1 Corinthian passages of chapters 8 and 10. We don't have time to look at those thoroughly this morning, but just understand that most of what Paul deals with there comes from the background of the Gentile believers and the impact of the pagan temple rituals that they dealt with. And again, as we're looking at these things, we, we see that as they offered these meats to the pagan gods there, that again, they, they understood that the meat that was being offered was sacrificed to a pagan god. The priest would have these meats, and then again, as they uh, had all these extra things, they would then take them to the, the meat market because it was extra stuff. So we know that most of what he was dealing with there comes from the Gentile background believers. That again, they're not eating meat because they know that that meat was given to a pagan god. And because that meat was given to a pagan god, I'm not going to touch it. But also here in Romans, we find out that he's also dealing with Jewish background believers who had kosher diets. And in their kosher diets, they knew and understood that, man, only the meat that's prepared correctly and dealt with correctly is the only thing that's good for me to eat. But you know what? Now as a believer, how do I deal with that? Those things that were, again, unclean before, am I now allowed to be able to take those things and eat those things? Well, some of those believers, as they came to Christ, they still remained in that kosher diet. And just like Daniel of the Old Testament, they said, well, I'm not going to eat that meat because I don't know where it came from. And rather than defile myself with that meat, I'll just be like Daniel of the Old Testament and I'll give myself to a vegetarian diet. And so they determined that they would not eat anything that was non-kosher. They committed themselves to that vegetarian diet. That's what Paul is dealing with here. It was in the weakness of their young faith that they hadn't been able to find the freedom in their life to understand that God had blessed it all. That even for the pagan believer to understand, you know what? So what? It was given to a pagan. That doesn't matter anymore. I can eat that now because that pagan God is nothing to me anymore. For the Jewish believer, he's able to come up and say, you know what? 
I've always wanted to have pork chops. And now in Christ, I'm free. So give me a big old platter of pork chops. It sounds good. For both of these groups, even in their weaknesses, the ones that said, hey, I came out of the pagan background. I'm not going to eat that meat because it was given to a pagan god. For the Jewish kosher believer that says, hey, you know what? Though I am in Christ, still I'm eating a kosher diet, and so I'm not going to eat that meat. For both of these groups... They were doing it still in an effort to honor God in their lives. And you need to understand that. So Paul's not slamming them about these things, but he's trying to help them to understand that, hey, in Christ we're free from those things. But he also understands that they were doing it to honor God in their lives. That's why Paul speaks to those who were given the weaker brothers a hard time. And he says in verse 4, he says, Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. God was working in the lives of even these weak in the faith to bring them around to maturity. Again, it was going to be the work of God and not the demands of anyone else. They were going to come to freedom in a time frame that was going to allow them to be free and free indeed and completely free, that was going to allow them to be able to be strong in their freedom in order that they would not be drawn back. You see, if I came to that pagan believer and I said, hey, brother, it's okay for you to eat that meat that was given to the pagan temple God because that temple God is nothing and this is just meat and God says that all things are clean, go ahead and take it. And that brother, who though he may, he may be weak in his faith, and as he's partaking of that meat, he's thinking, man, I know what we used to do in the temple and I know the lifestyles that I used to live. And this, this man eating of this meat that goes back to this temple, it reminds me of that lifestyle and suddenly his whole mind, his heart and everything is just kind of drawn back into that. For the guy who maintained a kosher diet, even though he's covered through Christ, to say, hey, you don't need to eat the kosher thing. Here, have a ham sandwich. And he's eating that thing, and suddenly his conscience starts impacting him so much, he feels such great guilt that, again, the enemy comes in, and you know how the enemy is when you're covered with guilt. He says, you're not worthy of the love of God, and so he would sink back further and further away from his walk in Christ. And so Paul says, don't be judging another man's servant, whether he's going to stand or not. He will stand because God is able to make him stand. Paul brings out the fact in this teaching that it's not just meat, but it's every area of our lives that we either impose some kind of a ritual law or rule on others because of our own scruples, principles, or even our own conscience, whether it's right or wrong. If I have a principle a scruple, a, a conscious thing in my life that says, you know what, I will not do this, then to suddenly make that now the law and put that on someone else, I'm doing wrong. Let God work and move in their lives for these things. And again, beloved, you've got to understand, I'm not talking about the things that are black and white in the Scripture. I'm talking about those things that differing people, because of their background, because of their upbringing, or just because they themselves feel led by the Lord to either partake or not partake of a particular thing. That's what Paul is dealing with. I love Pastor Chuck Smith. Uh, He's the founder of Calvary Chapels, and one of the things that he shared years ago that just kind of blew me away, because he was raised in a four-square denomination, he had never gone into a movie theater. I'm thinking, wow, never gone into a movie theater? 
No, because, again, in that four-square denomination, they were told, man, that's just as bad as going to a burlesque show. So why would you do that? Why would you go into a movie theater? Well, did he then turn around and say, make that a law? Hey, if you're part of Calvary Chapel, don't go into a movie theater? No. It was his own personal scruples, his own principles in his life. He didn't. Others may. Is it biblical? Well, it might be biblical depending upon what's showing. Depends upon what's showing. And again, being careful of what you open yourself up to. Please understand that there is a balance in all of these things. In verse 5, Paul says, One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced of his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word, the teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to The Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from Pastor David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com, click on the podcast option on the homepage, or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard the open word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again and may God richly bless you.